Hey there, my name is Mei Ling. I'm a certified life coach, trauma trained practitioner, and options trader. And welcome to my podcast, Finding Freedom in the Hologram. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 8 of season 6. Now, this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. So instead of talking about a particular person or athlete in a sport, I'm just going to talk about sports in general with an emphasis on racket sports such as tennis and table tennis because it will be really easy to illustrate the concepts that I'll be explaining today. So what do I mean? Here in Melbourne, we do have the Australian Open, which is due soon. It's always around January, February in the year. It is a very hot time for international players to be coming here in Australia because it's usually like 30, 40 degrees Celsius heat. However, this year, it's a pretty rainy year so far, so I'm not sure how that will pan out. But basically, it's a craze that sweeps the nation because as a spectator spot, tennis can be pretty riveting, right? Because we can see the styles of the player and what kind of ball they're playing. This is really fascinating to me because I think a lot of the styles here can also translate to the kind of risks, the kind of player, the kind of trader you are. What do I mean? Now, we all know the terms fastball or slowball. What is your approach in terms of playing? So let me give you an example. When I was in primary school and I first started playing table tennis, I was really fascinated. You know, there was a table tennis team and there was this converted garage-like situation in the back of my primary school. And every recess, every lunch break, you can see the table tennis team practicing in there. And the students would know and they would go and have a look. They would see what the styles are playing. I loved it. And I told my dad that I wanted to play, I wanted to join. And even though I was late to join the team... I practiced so much because I was so driven and I was fascinated by the sport. And in the beginning, when I first started, I think there were like seven or eight players altogether. Mind you, that was when I was nine years old. (laughs) And then pretty quickly, I became the second best player in the team. Now, the very first player in the team was a girl called Eileen. And she had a particular style of playing. She played slow ball. It means that she was ever so careful in every hit of the ball with the paddle, with the table tennis bat. That's what we call it in Singapore, the table tennis bat. So every time she hit the ping pong ball, it was always measured, calculated, careful. Eileen had immense patience. She was the most patient player I've ever encountered in the world, right? She would volley the ball back and forth and wait till the opponent made a mistake, right? So she played defense. So the opponent would be frustrated, would be impatient and would try to smash the ball or end that volley and get the point. But Eileen could always return the ball. She had immense patience and she was very careful and very measured. She just had this personality that was part of her style. So she waited till the opponent made the mistake. I, on the other hand, am a lot more (laughs) risk-taking. I play offense. So when I see an opportunity, I take it and I smash the ball. So for me, practice was trying to smash the ping pong ball with my forehand at every corner of the table possible. That was my practice. (laughs) Basically, the coach would take a cardboard box of ping pong balls or whatever 
and then we would he would hit the balls. We didn't have fancy machines like you know baseball machines that would shoot out the ball. This is just ping pong balls, and he would be on the other end, hitting the ping pong balls to whatever corner of the table, and I had to return it. That was my practice until we ran out. That was my practice. And I got to learn, you know, different tables, different bats, different thickness of the rubbers on the paddles, those kind of things, right? And the rubber can be rough, like dotty, spotty on one end, or they can be smooth. So before each competition in each game, some players might request to have a look at your paddle because they want to have an idea of the spin that you can have on the ball potentially each time you serve or you return a ball, you know? So... Players calculate that. Now, for me, I get a little bit impatient, admittedly. When I see an opportunity, I take it. Because I'm thinking, I don't want to be volleying the ping pong ball back and forth, back and forth, because I'm like, what's the point? I want to save time, I want to save energy, and I want to get this done and over with. I enjoy the sport, don't get me wrong. And I enjoy meeting different players with different skill sets and different challenges, and I'm learning all the time. But I don't see the point in drawing out a game unnecessarily. Now think about tennis. So if you don't, if you haven't watched a lot of table tennis or played a lot of table tennis yourself, tennis is a very good example. Take for example, Roger Federer. Now I remember when Roger Federer first came on the scene, it was pretty spectacular. Because for the first time, I think, you know, I'm not an expert in tennis, but for the first time, it seemed that there was this player who not only took the opportunity to smash and end the point when he could, he did so skillfully. So there was a very high probability that when he decided, he gauged, he decided as the ball came towards him, he's like, "Uh aha, his brain was like, this is an opportunity. And then his body will, will respond, what is, I assume, a lot of practice. And he would, he would smash the ball. The opposing player won't be able to return it. It was within the lines and he scored the point. So he ended and he won games. He finished the sets very quickly. It was really remarkable to see that. And, it's like, and it was pretty spectacular. It was exciting for spectators to watch. So Roger Federer, you know, he played fastball. Now, as a trader, what kind of trader are you? Now, with the sport of tennis, sports, racket sports, you have to think about your style. And that actually gives you a clue on what kind of trader you are. Because usually the style in which you play, the way you play games, the way you approach different things, that tells you what kind of trader you are based on your neurochemistry. So inside of my group coaching program, and when I coach clients one-on-one, I go into depth about the particular neurochemistry that each individual has. Because if you are addicted to dopamine, the reward, or you are the person that loves serotonin, you love thinking that, yes, I'm ranked number one, I'm the best player, other people look up to me. There's different ways in which you respond to different neurochemicals in your brain and the different ways where you feel the most rewarded. So you carry out behaviors in which you feel the most rewarded. Think about when you're training a little puppy. When you reward the puppy with snacks, with foods that the puppy loves, they go, "Uh aha, I get rewarded when I repeat this behavior again and again and again. Now, so there's two aspects to this. Number one, think to yourself, how do I normally approach games? What kind of style do I have? 
So think about, am I impatient? So for me, when I first started out trading, I had to work on my patience <laughs> about getting into a trade. So my patience wasn't about, I need to wait for my trade to hit the target before exiting. My patience is like, oh, I cannot wait to get into a trade. I want to be in it, right? Because to me, that's exciting. So when I go on adventure travel and adventure trips, I want to be part of the action. That is my personality, okay? But I also know part of my personality is I'm driven and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill my potential and be the best that I can be in that sport. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes in my education, in my practice, learning how to be the best trader I can be for my lifestyle and my circumstance. So I'm willing to invest in coaches. I'm willing to invest in people. Because if I get to earn and profit multiple five figures in a day, guess what? Of course, I expect a return on investment. This is my thinking, right? This is my approach. This is my attitude. It's like every time I invest in something with a coach, with a program, in my mind, I'm like, it's already done. My return on investment is already done. I expect it, okay? Because I know my own personality. I know that when I've decided I love that decision, I go and play full out and there's no turning back. So think about it in this way. Are you a player that prefers fastball and slowball? And are you willing to do whatever it takes to become a better player to improve? So if you are playing offense versus playing defense, are you skillful enough so that your win rate is high enough so that you can be consistently profitable, right? Because those are the rules of the game. Or do you play defense where you go, uh-uh-uh, I'm not getting into this trade until I know it's an absolute no-brainer. Like I know with every fiber of my soul, I recognize this setup. It's the perfect setup. I get in and I know I'm going to profit. And then you get in. So get to know your own style of playing. Get to know what neurotransmitters, neurochemicals tend to turn you on in terms of what is the greatest reward for you. And then also think to yourself, right? Based on the player that you are, where can you improve right now? In which areas can you improve? So for me, when I was being impatient, I improved my patience, right? I go, right, I'm not touching this if it's not the setup. And recently I had an um, Instagram reel. It was based on a recorded session with one of my clients. And I was saying that, yeah, you know, um, coming up to Christmas, New Year's, that, that period, you know, last two weeks of December, the markets were really choppy. They were so choppy. And I found myself thinking, ooh, which trade could I get in? Which trade can I get in? Again, impatience, right? I want to be part of the action. But then I reminded myself, I coached my own brain thinking like, you know what, Mailing, you're not seeing the setup. So turn your computer off and go to sleep. <laughs> because for me here, it's the middle of the night here when I trade, right? The New York Stock Exchange. And again, that's why I take into account my lifestyle and my needs to find a trading method that works for me. Trading is very personal. You do it for your own personal why, for your own personal purpose, your own personal mission, your own personal reasons, and then you can tailor it to make it your own as well. Right? How do you make your learning journey exciting? How do you make it such that you can't wait to take part in the game, to play the game, play full out, and know that, oh, which ways can I improve? So each time you didn't reach your goal, you actually feel more motivated. You go like, okay, back to the drawing board. What can I do now? Now, if you are the kind of person 
And think back, you know, perhaps in play school, when you're in nursery, when you're in kindergarten or primary school. If you notice and you're well aware that losing a game spoils your mood, causes you to feel crappy, causes you to snap at your teammates, causes you to snap at your partner, there is something in there that needs to be dealt with. There is something there that needs to be addressed. Why is it that you're letting something control your mood and affect how you affect others so dramatically? Right? Why are you being a drama queen? <laughs> right? There's some issue there that needs to be addressed. So when you play the rules of the game, so every sports, every game has official rules. Sometimes the game may change rules depending on the country or whether it's world championships versus like Olympics or whatever. But most of the time, there are general rules of the game. Now, we all play, if we want to compete, we know that we have to know, be familiar with the rules of the game and play according to the rules. But you can still have a different style of playing even when you obey the rules, when you abide by the rules. And this is what I mean by energetics. When we have a structure, in this case is the rules of the game, that is the masculine energy. When we have a trading plan, when we go, right, I need to have a routine, I need to have a pre and post market trading routine, I need to do certain things that ground and center myself before I go onto the trading platform, before I trade live, you are giving yourself structure, right? When you go through your watch list, when you chart, when you look at your technical analysis, when you look at your fundamental analysis, perhaps, those are things that give you structure. And everybody needs that. Some of you creators might be like, oh, I don't want to be bounded. I want to be totally free and flowing. Well, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> With trading, you need to have certain rules. However, those rules you can decide for yourself. And how you play according to those rules, that's when your creativity comes out. That's when your feminine energy, the flow, the creativity, right? Being excited about things. So, so within the game, there are rules. However, if you stick to those rules, you can then play the game according to your own style, your own method, the own thing that makes you light up, that makes you enjoy the game. Some people enjoy volleying back and forth because they go, the longer this goes, the more fun I get and it's challenging. Sometimes when I play table tennis with other people, even though technically the ball is out, but if it's still bouncing, I'll be like, oh, okay, I just want to continue because it's a fun game. I'm not scoring. I'm not counting points, right? I just want the volley to continue because you are laughing and we're having fun. However, in a competition, I'm like, okay, there's points here to be scored. And I want to, when I see an opportunity, I take it. I'm that kind of player. In fact, I approach that with everything in life. When I saw the opportunity to make optometry more exciting and locum all over Australia and New Zealand, I took it. When I saw the opportunity to actually leave optometry and pivot, I took it. When I saw the opportunity to travel to like 70 odd over countries, I took it. When I saw the opportunity to make money for myself, I took it by trading and, and starting my own business. So I'm the kind of person who sees an opportunity, evaluates, does a lot of research, prepares myself, know thyself, and then I go ahead and I make sure I have no regrets. <laughs> I am that kind of player. I see things, I see an opportunity, I decide and I go and play full out. Sometimes there are times where you need to be careful. 
Sometimes there are times where you need to play defense instead of offense. But when you know yourself well, and when you set the rules of the game for yourself and challenge yourself to get to the next level, to get to the next set, to get to the next score, to, to go from the quarterfinals to the semifinals, for example, right? When you challenge yourself to reach your next personal best and make it fun along the way and feel proud of what you have accomplished, these are the things you need to be looking out for when you are playing the game. The game of life to be happy, the game of life to feel fully aligned with the decisions that you're making, fully aligned with how you choose to play, how you choose to show up, If you find that you are sick and tired of wanting something, of desiring something, but yet not implementing and following it through, be curious about that. Wonder why. Think about the very, very first time that happened in your life. Was it primary school? Was it high school? Was it something that you really wanted to do, but somehow something held you back? I want you to be more curious about that and think about this. Because when you have a conscious desire for something and yet you find yourself that you're not following through, there's always a subconscious program preventing you from doing it. And as I've said in one of my IG lives recently, that when there's a conflict, a tug of war between your conscious and your subconscious, your subconscious will always win. So you need to sort that out. If there's some underlying subconscious program that's programming you, it's a zip file that's filed away. (laughs) You can't find it, right? You've looked through all your folders and you somehow can't find it. You can't retrieve the file. You think it's lost. You need help. You need outside help. Somebody outside, a mentor, a guide, a coach who can run you through that process to retrieve that file, remove that file, and then replace it with a subconscious program that works for you and serves you so that you can play the game according to the way you want, your style, and you actually feel excited. There is no longer an invisible wall that seems to be blocking you, right? That is how you should be thinking about playing this game. This game of life, this game of trading. It's all the same. It's within your hologram. You are empowered to take action. You are empowered to decide what steps you want to take next. All right, my friends, I hope this episode has been helpful and I'll see you next week for episode nine. Bye.